How's it going, everyone? Today we have the luxury of having two incredible guests. Everyone should recognize Barry Kirch, the drummer for the band Shinedown. And joining us today is the barefoot sensei, Mick Dodge, who I don't know if, I don't know how you, I'll just kind of tell you a story how I found about Mick is when I was doing this kind of rabbit hole searching, looking for unique people for Spear Talk. And uh, one person led to another and another. Eventually I found the story of Mick and his incredible uh, starting as a Marine, growing up on a Marine base, martial arts in Japan. And then somewhere in the 90s, you decide to kind of get off the grid and become this, it's almost like your make-believe. And so the fact you're actually here right now is kind of cool because it's like, this is a guy that on your show, History Channel, the legend of, well, the legend's here today, and I am forever grateful for that, Nick. Yeah, well, I'm not the legend. I was a stunt guy. <laughs> I'm a lot shorter. You know, the legend was like, uh, Nat Geo did that. And the legend's like, oh, seven feet tall and blows drama out his butthole, man. I'm the, I'm the stunt guy. I, I'm a lot shorter. <laughs> now, when they approach you for a show like that, are you kind of caught off guard? Because obviously you are, you're living the life you want to live with your own rules. But here you have a a group like History Channel or a TV show that wants to capture this. Was there a little trepidation on your part at the start of that? Uh, well, I turned down several networks uh, because they were looking for a survivalist. And um, I'm not a survivalist. I'm a thrivalist. You know, I love uh, um, training, um, really getting out in the, the, the earth. I call it the earth gym. And, and developing all your domestic and military and martial trainings and running and weightlifting. And uh, I was training what I call the land of Ohms, which are the Olympic mountains where I was, was born at. And in um, the whole river valley. So it, that was my teacher. I took everything I knew about training and, and then just followed my feet and see where that would lead me. So I was stashing weights and you know kettlebells and training tools up in caves under trees and then uh i'd kind of made a, a name for myself you know i'd run from the olympic mountains down to uh, lake tahoe about 12 times and but sometimes these trips would take a year and a half and and you know it was just like stop at organic farms and i was just real interested in step you know modern living to me had become uh boring and i think boredom is such a wonderful emotion because when you get you become bored you know boredom's like two words bore through the dumb and so i'm in this situation i'm being dumb you know what do i need to get going well that's where your curiosity comes so i either apply more discipline to what i'm doing in the moment or I find something else different to do. And so I was training, just following my feet when I say that is stepping out of shoes, stepping out of walls, stepping out of machines, uh, stepping away from assholes and, and, and getting out and just allowing the earth to, to guide me and how to train with it. And, and, you know, hang upside down in trees, train with stones and, so forth and then the tv shows started showing up i mean if you walked around barefoot 
you kind right. of hook attention, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, who the hell is this guy, you know? And and I had a lot of influence, you know. I'm one part ex marine. Uh, my dad, my uncles were all career marines, martial artists. Um, but then I, you know, after I'd served in the Marines and stuff like that, I, I you know, my hippie time came on. And uh, I was very influenced by songs, Cosby, Stills and Nash, Back to the Garden, you know. Uh, those really became my mantras, my training songs, you know. How do I, how do I uh, step out and, and find my own songs, my own running songs and training? And so um, here come the, the networks. And when National Geographic came, uh, I was thinking magazine because I, I, you know, I've never watched much television and I was thinking magazine. And this was an opportunity for me to show uh, off the Olympic Mountains and the whole river valley. I was uh, very excited to do that because that was my teacher. And as I, we got the show and then they, they would say, well, look, we're doing reality TV here, which to me meant more real documentaries but as it went on I just I was just like you know I guess one side of me I'd heard years ago about the dumbing down of America <laughs> and uh, when I watched them take events out of my life and in my friends it was like this this pattern they had of we're trying to get this reality TV show the audience is dumb and stupid you know, quit talking to the camera. They don't know the camera's there. You know, what do they think the fucking trees handling the camera? I mean, it was just <laughs> like, you know, I don't think people are that dumb and that stupid. So to me, sure. it was like, I still wanted to show off the Olympic mountains and, and what that has to offer to people to go in there and, and step out of your wall, step out of your insulations, your shoes, and just immerse in it for a while, allow it to teach you and start finding your song and, and bringing your song out of you. And so uh, I just uh, stuck with it for a while, uh, you know, but, you know, my sense of humor gets, get in. they tried to make drama. Right. And my life has been about if drama's coming, the grim, you know, you got the grim. And if that grim is coming at you, my responsibility and goal is to grin is how do I get the grin back and sure. and take that nasty situation and turn it into a good time, you know, turn it into a learning place and a, and a curve. And, uh, you know, three, a G-force, I call it, uh, you train a strong grip and grit. You Grit is uh, the staying power, you know, to be able to stay in there and grit something. And I think everybody has grit. You know, you'll see people hooked on drugs. They got their grit. They stay with it. They got a bad habit that they're doing that. They just, they got the grit to stay there. And what you need is a strong grip. Once you got that strong grip and now you take it into the grit, the third element I, is the train with a grin. And so what I learned in training as a Marine and training other Marines was, you know, you come into Marine Corps, you know, wipe that goddamn smile off your face. <laughs> you know, I was, now what I do is, put that smile back on your face, you know, get sure. that grin back in there as you're training and so forth. So it was, uh, and they're just, you know, they know how to tell a story, an electronic medium like this. Yep. Uh, 
Uh, and, you know, the thing went to 22 countries. Uh, it, it got out there. I recognized a lot like that. So it's that's cool. But what I'm really after, I've, uh, in my training, I focus on four things. I call it the S symbol. I work on bare soles. I work on strength. And I work on soil. You know, our country is, is we've... We've trashed over a third of the soil in this country, and we need soil. And so it's uh, here in the farm, my goal is in my training is not just the strength training disciplines and all that goes in, but to grow soil. And then the, the next one is, is how to form your own story, how to train your own story. And then the last as symbol is all the other shit. So you got <laughs> souls, strength, uh, Soil story and all the other shit, you know. So I didn't now, mean to get too long winded there. No, I no, it's, it's amazing. Now, Barry, obviously, you're familiar with Mick. You, you and I had talked before this about show to you yeah. on the TV show. But what is it about Mick or someone like him in general that attracts you to kind of their way of life? Because uh, that for me is the reality and what I want to see. This is the sure. real person in the flesh. I don't need manufactured camera drama. So. Why did you get attracted to someone like Mick? I think it was the, you know, I think Mick, you touched on it. It was the doing everything with a grin. And I can't imagine living your lifestyle when you did, were on the network channel of, okay, I got to have this damn camera following me the whole time, following me in what I enjoy, but then also trying to create drama out of it. And you did that still with a grin. I think I probably would have lost my, my shit and, and just kicked him out because I want to be, at that piece because that's what you spent your whole life getting to is this peaceful back to nature kind of vibe and for for me when it comes to the the nature side of things um living in the world that i live in and, and john that you live in with me at times um it's completely inundated with tech it's constant tech it's show after show travel 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 so when i finally get that break from the job side of what I do. I love the art of playing drums and I love being in a band. And I love my brothers in the band. The rest of it, I don't enjoy as much. Maybe seeing the world I do, but the, the day in day out grind. When I finally can get away with that and be home with my family, the first place I wanna be is back to nature. And that it resets me, it puts me back into a place of normalcy, into a place of calm and makes me a better person. It's almost a purge. It gets rid of all the shit that you have to deal with yeah, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's, um, the way I look at the electronics, I think is something to be leery of. Um, you know, I've, I've been, um, years ago, my uncle was a, uh, you know, Marine. He turned me on a book by a guy named uh, Marshall McLuhan. And Mar Marshall McLuhan had written some good sayings. One was the medium is the message. And he was talking about electronics. And the other one, he said that the tools we create, uh, create us. And so if you create a drum, you know, you create a drum, that tool creates you. Uh, sure. I train with a lot of hammers, uh, you know, like swinging them and, and training with them. Uh, the tool can be used for many things with a hammer, uh, you know, beating stuff to the ground, stuff like that. But the other end can 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 create me, can can give me more strength, give me more endurance and stuff, and get a dance going. And so I think it's being very 
cautious that these this electronics are tools. So when I was coming back in, like when I bought this this farm and and started setting it up, I was I was three nights in this place with my headlamp and my battery went out, and then I suddenly went, "Oh shit, I got electric lights." You know, it was like it was like this other transition coming back in. The other thing, I bought a van so I could go on the road and train in the mountains. I own, own another uh, 220 acres up in the Siskiyou Mountains, which is just totally wild. Uh, I got about 16,000 trees up there, artesian well. And so I'll take my van and go up there and train. But I noticed when I got in the van, um arthritis started setting in and where i was on foot and walking all the time well that van is a tool it's an extension of our foot and and it makes you know if you uh you want to run fast uh put on shoes you know i barefoot a lot but if i want to go really fast get in the car if i want to go faster get in a jet plane these are tools but they also take away from us because the like the van doesn't just extend our foot for traveling and journey. It also is extending our butts. I mean, people get sedentary and they're, and they're more in there. So my van, I don't drive it like any longer than 20 minutes. And I, and I use this, this phone with the alarm system. And once it goes off, I pull to the side of the road and train for a bit, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, because the the vehicles and the cars will take away your your uh, wind, take away your grit, take away your endurance that and that pace in life. Well, the electronics, I think it's just friggin' amazing. I'm just my learning curve in this is still. You know, I've set up computers here and and all that, and I'm still trying to learn them. But uh, there's there's incredible this is a credible useful tool to reaching out i mean look at the way we're you know right getting here now but we have to remember it's a tool and so um you know like you know a few weeks ago the the thing went off the phone rang and i was really in a great place i uh play uh the pandrum uh started playing with that mm -hmm. and i was i was getting out this beautiful you know that that song that flow and the phone goes off and I stopped what I was doing and went to get the phone. And that's when I went, it's hooking me now. It's, it's sure. trying to create me into something different. So it's getting that discipline about it. So I think going out into the, I have a standard prior barefoot every day. Uh, you know, once the thing about barefooting uh, is the first thing that happens when you step out of shoes is you start paying attention. And it's the first thing you're looking for stickers, you're looking for dog shits, you know, you're looking for Joe asshole, you know, I mean, it's like those that the feet opened up your attention. And so it, it your attention has been hooked, say, like you've been on the road playing music, and you're in that getting back to your family is to develop a practice that you get out and touch those feet back into it. Here's your attention working. The next step I found that came to me was you have attention and now you have acceptance. One, you have to accept, you know, when I first really began barefooting as a practice and doing it, my feet were crippled up. I had hammer toes, plantar fasciitis, back pain. I had a constant sadness in me. 
you know, I think sadness is about loss. You know, you, you've lost something, so you're sad. You stay sad too long. Uh, you get mad. You get angst. And, and, and so it's, for me, it was like, how do I use my feet to, to, in that loss that was constantly going on was what you were just talking about, Barry, that loss with the earth, that loss with that connection. Yeah. It starts angsting you. And so I, once I was coming to this awareness in the mountains, I took off and became a nomad. And what I mean by as a nomad, I was searching for the not mad. How do I get a practice going of sinking my feet in the earth and, and, and putting up with other things in life and shit and not, you know, get rid of the mad? And, so, and how do I make it glad? You know, no mad. Don't be mad. And so as I was journeying around and, and you engage in people, uh, I found in shoes uh, there's this this uh, different frequency in the human body, and 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 you can see it so clearly the more you do it. So it, you keep working bare feet, you know. And bare feet ran me to being butt necked, you know. So I was hanging out in the mountains, and I was just like, I want more, right? But there's these two polarizations I see. We have 10 to 12,000 years of civilization, building walls, machines, electronics, all that going on. And then we got what I call the gated wild on the other side. There's some wild places, but it's gated. You know, there's, there, it's, it's protected, it's fenced in and stuff. And so my, and then in between are called the open fence lands. Here's an example, wherever you live, if you're in the city, stand up, Pick a direction, get your bare feet, and just go for as long as you can for the day. Just oh. keep going and going and going. And then if you get good, stay overnight. And you start exposing what's that habitat, that terrain of the city. And so as you come out of the city, what I call the sitting world, you know, city, C-I-T-Y, sitting, seats of power, you know, all that kind of shit. Once you step out of the city, you're out into the open fence lands. There's lots of open land, but it's fenced. So you got to get into good fence jumping and how to and how to maneuver through those lands. And then you finally get up to the wild. And I call that the gated wild. You know, there's wild, but it's gate. Now, what I found out when you're up in the gated wild running around naked, uh, it'll eat you up. So you better start developing some skills. You better have some discipline, how to be a fire tender. And what I mean by fire tender is, you know, learn to rub the sticks, uh, flint. All, uh, you know, I like uh, Makai Indian Wade taught me, uh, you take a big lighter and you light that and start a fire and you go like this. It's <laughs> primitive, you know. So, <laughs> so he saw me one time really struggling. He goes, here, try this, man. You go like that and then strike it. Yeah. But you're up there building this, being a fire tender. I believe when our ancestors were drawing sounds down into words, fire and desire sounds the same. So you have a coal on a fire and you bring your wind, you bring your materials to build that fire. You have a goal on your desire. And so the same process is there involving how do I 
be a good fire tender? How do I be a good desire tender and build my desire? You know, I can throw gasoline on a fire and blow it up, you know, too much. I can take uh, uh, some kind of teacher plant or, or, or alcohol or something to blow myself up. You know, you have to learn how do I feed my desire? How do I feed my fire? And, and drumming and dancing and flutes and bringing, those are tools to use for building your desire. And so when developing a practice of, of stepping out and working with the element of fire and, and bringing that is, is here I am naked up there or eat me up, I got to have fire. I got to have uh, shelters at times. How much shelter do I need? These are all tools and extensions of our of our senses of our ability our bodies but if i walk around in this if i go down the city an incredible place to when you people say well you're a survivalist Mick. i'm not i'm uh, i'm i'm a thrivalist but when i go into the city that's where i really kind of kick into survival mode you know it's like you know how do you how do you survive this there's some rough terrain there um and so in the in the gated wild, I guess what I'm saying, the gated wild, you run around naked, it'll eat you up. You better be disciplined. You go down in the city and you run around naked, they'll lock you up. You right. know, they'll say, hey, come here, naked boy. You can't do this down here. They'll lock you up. So you have to, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And and my goal in life is the, uh, my path is to find the balance uh, in between those two. You know, people come to me and they go, oh, God, you have a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, how, how, you know, I got a Facebook page and people write in. I don't get it. How do you get on Facebook? And I don't get why they're asking me because they're already on it asking me, you know, God, (laughs) you you already know how to do it. So they're, they're, you know, there's this, uh, this image we have of the wild that it's it's something way out there and and I can't get into it. That's certain wild terrains there. But what we're talking about, if you have city habits here, and you step out into this wild habitat, you are exposing those city ha- habits out here in the wild habitat, and that's the exploration. That's the fun, because when you got your wild ones, just like me coming back in, you know, going, oh yeah, I don't have to go outside and shit. I got a toilet. You know, it's like finding out where those things fit in. And I'm looking for that open fence land, that middle place, that middle path. Think of yin and yang. You know, you got mm-hmm. you got city over here, mountain over here, and the in between, you got that open fence land. And so it's like, how do I find that middle way, that middle path that supports, you know, for my life? Sure. Very fascinating. Now, Barry... I, I know there's drummers, musicians that play perform barefoot, but w- I'm curious. I wonder how that would affect you as a drummer if you did that one time, or not necessarily drum barefoot, but do a lot of barefooting. How would that mm-hmm. affect your drumming? You think? You know, I, I think much with anything it would take a while to get used to it. I know drummers that are barefoot drummers, and it, and for them it is a connection to the instrument. It's their foot on the pedal, connection to the instrument. Uh, growing up, I did play barefoot for a while. I'm not sure what led me away from that necessarily. It's just, I put shoes on and I would go play and maybe it was, you know, going to the music store, taking lessons, something like that. You already have shoes on. You don't go in and take your shoes off. Um, But I think 
you know, it's funny as a kid, my brother and I used to have competitions growing up when the summer came and we'd spend a lot of time outside and I grew up in Panama city, Florida. Um, so we spent a lot of time out at the bay and, and the water and, and we always had a competition to see who could get the toughest feet the fastest yeah. during the summer after school. That was a thing <laughs> yeah. for us. And cause you know, yeah. the asphalt was taught and you had to walk on the asphalt to get to the bay yeah. and then you get to the bay yeah. and you're walking on sand and looking for glass. So it was a very similar thing. Um, to get the tough feet for the summer. It was like a summer challenge for each of us. And, you know, we'd come home and mom would be like, all right, go to the bathtub, wash your feet because your feet are nasty before you come in the house. Um, yeah, it was one of those things. So I, I think playing drums barefoot would be a fun experiment, but it'd be a technique change that I wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. You know, I wouldn't do it. Okay, I'm going to go play a live show again. Let me take my shoes off for the first time because it would destroy the show. You know, I wouldn't have the same feeling pedals but it's something you could always work into now yeah. i throw this out about drumming uh you know i i build drums wood ones and skin drums and mm -hmm. one of the things i found when a drum gets real loose i'd hold it up to the fire and tighten it up a bit right yeah yeah well it's the same with your feet uh you know you're uh, with your feet they're they're i when i run i set a rhythm with my feet and that. And when I would find in spring, my feet are soft or all winter, I've had them in mucklucks or moccasins or something. And to tighten them up, I would keep my feet up against the fire. And so I actually, the same thing with the asphalt. I, yeah. it was, I, would, I would be tightening up my drum heads, you know, cause that's where my beat is, you know, that's where my, my rhythm oh, is. And, and so it's like, I always look at the feet as, uh, in fact, Carl built this really huge drum that I tried to stand on and, and, and dance on it and, and try to get a routine going where I was beating on that drum with my feet, but it sucker fell apart. So. <laughs> but now, the intent was there, you know. Now, when you were before the farm, when you were still living primarily in, in nature, but I'm uh -huh. sure you, you would occasionally come to the city, you know, yeah. back and forth, things of that nature, was yeah. there when you came back, was there like, okay, I've been in the woods for a few weeks, uh, living off the land. Was there a guilty pleasure when you came back? Like, I've got to go get some ice cream. That's what I want. Or I got to go to a fast food joint, and get some fast food. Was there something like that for you? That I was guilty? No, um, no, that like a guilty pleasure, something that you missed. That was something you'd get in a city. Like I, I'm going to go nah, to the ice nah, cream nah, store. No, 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 no. I was hung. I was hungry as hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> you live off a of brush and stuff. You get pretty hungry. I don't. You know, it's funny. I, um, I don't. I never have had this. Um, going back into the city, um, and seeing those tools and stuff like that was just like awesome to me. I mean, when you're walking along and, and, and somebody would pull over and know me or didn't know me and just thought I was interesting looking to pull over and offer me a ride. I, I found that car and that machine to be, Oh man, that's really nice. <laughs> you know, cause you've been walking for so long. Um, but I was real cautious about not, it, it wasn't guilty. It was not to give up the conditioning that I already had, like even mm. now, I, the, my quarters, I, I have a big sliding window on one side and a sliding glass door on the other. And I sleep at night on my bedroll, same bedroll I use on the ground. 
And I allow that cold to come in all night because I don't want to give up the, you know, it took me a long time to get the grip. You know, when you start barefooting, you, yeah. your feet really get conditioned. When winter comes, um, you know, you have a tendency to go, okay, I'm going to put on this mucklock or uh, moccasin and I'm going to keep my feet uh, warmer instead of exposing them more. I make it a point not to give that up. So when spring comes along, I still have my calluses. I still have the hardness in my feet because that 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 is the spring in your body. And I feel when we get older, one of the things we start losing is that spring, that pop in our body. And and temperature has a real crucial element to play in that. So I do. Uh, I mean, this farm here, I have a 20,000 gallon indoor pool. And I use that for cold water training. I got uh, kettlebells and rubber kettlebells and, and weights that I use for going underwater and training breath. But then I go up into the mountains and, and what I keep going here, then I go up in the mountains to keep that exposure. I'm very interested in, in exploring the habits I pick up here uh, around the modern things and, and stuff. And then than how to look at them when I go up there and, and be without them, you know, and and that becomes, you know, a practice. Like, I think it would be fascinating to go, okay, what are the skills in this? What's the shift and the change if I start playing the drums with uh, my feet, you know, mm -hmm. bare feet, start having them in there? Or do I do uh, some barefooting around in some natural area and then go in and put the shoes on and do them? So, I find all this is is um, it's just one big adventure, man, and 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 all this stuff you get to explore with it, and and you know, and then sharing it with other people, and 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 it goes on there. And the big thing is is I find is that um, we say nature's out there, um, and there are some wild places left. They're there. But it's also around us. And what is the meaning of the word wild? You know, what does that wild mean? And, and when I look back at our people's language, I think the word child and the wild sound very close for a reason. You see a young child, they have this natural millions of years of evolution of, of how to grow, how to evolve. And then we bring in domestication, domination, domiciles. You know, we got this this domain. We we bring that in on them and start shifting and changing that. And mm -hmm. some of those things don't work. Some of them work for a little while, but then other things like, uh, man, we got a bad habit going on there. You know that we we don't need to get going. Like when I one of the things I see about this electronics and stuff, it creates a lot of polarization. Uh, I and one of the key things that I have found and when polarization happens, two concepts begin to to oppose and hit like that is uh, start dancing and singing because that weaves those two together. That brings that polarization when you're bringing in song or or your beat or your rhythm. You know, I, I run with a rattle and um, when I would run, somebody would come up to me and it's a neat practice and, and they come up and you know, they're just being uh, nasty. You know what I mean? You run into those ones. <laughs> I start shaking oh, yeah. my rattle. 
I start shaking my rattle at them, you know. And then I go, have you ever tried one of these? You know, because you're trying to bring me into misery loves company and I don't want to fucking go there. Sure. So here, try this rattle like this. And of course, they look at you like, what is the matter with this guy? Which is cool. Go away then, you know, go right. home, get in bed, <laughs> pull the sheet over your head and fucking die. <laughs> now, man, you mentioned you have obviously a background in martial arts. I know Barry practices and has practiced Wing Chun. So what is the actual martial art or art martial arts themselves that you kind of studied? And how did you and how does that training kind of help you with what you're doing now? Uh, well, you know, with my dad, my uncle's all, uh, uh, my dad was in jujitsu. He had 35 years in the Corps. My uncle's, uh, one was Shotokan, Karate, oh, oh. uh, uh, Ru. But the best way that, that I can really, what they were doing with me and training the dojos I went in was, was taking everything. They were Marines. They were warriors. And so it's like their goal was how's this work? You know, sure. uh, my uncle, you know, you got, you have, you know, katas and, and a lot of Okinawan style, you work on katas and get forms down and stuff. They would find out a little bit, uh, good stuff, but they wanted more actual movement of fighting and dancing, you know, so they would take that style and, and mix that in there. And, uh, I fought in uh, all Marine judo for a while. Um, I like judo. I uh, did a little bit of kickboxing and stuff like that. Um, but now I'm, uh, I don't know if you're aware, I'm the highest ranked in the world at uh, Hayakoe Ikimas. And, that, and no that's like, that means like run like a motherfucker. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, you, you want to defend yourself, get a gun. You know, it's like um, I, I find distance being the best one. I'm a dodge. And that really fit me well. You know, when I was uh, working out kickboxing for a while, I remember my uncle said, Mech, you know, we need to have a talk about, you know, your because we used to scuffle and train all the time. And he says, you're one of the best I've ever seen blocking your hands with your face. So you need to uh, remember that you're a dodge and, and, and get some distance going. And so, you know, power lifting, weight lifting, I did that, ballet, uh, any movement discipline, I have just always been drawn to. You know, how can I take that movement discipline and then apply it to my life? You know, how do I apply it to age? Uh, uh, how do I apply it? Because I think the extreme sport of aging uh, fits everybody. Because what's the big question you have in life? How long can you stay in the game? Right. You know, if you're a professional athlete, how long can I stay at this? You're a professional musician, how long can I stay at this? You know, so what kind of movement disciplines do I need to to bring into my life? and 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 support that and and train with it you know uh bruce lee um uh was into um uh had weightlifting going on had uh uh using weights and stuff that but he saw that i believe what i've read about him is that he used that to enhance his martial arts you know uh, and to enhance his performance you know so i any i call them strength tools and I've designed over a, oh gosh, over a hundred now. Uh, you know, an idea like, uh, 
you take something like this, uh, and I started building these, and it's uh, mace belt, right? You've oh, seen maces, yeah. the hammers? Yeah. Well, I, I just put them together. I got these up to about 200 pounds. Some of them are eight feet long. And so you got all kinds of movements you can do, you know, training these, uh, bring in the fluid movement, bring in the staccato movements, and just start exploring your strength. Uh, strength to me is three things. Uh, you got grip, you got your grip, you got your hold, and then you got your release. And so I train in all three of those. So I grip something, the, the grit, the holding is how long can I hold it? How long can I hold it out? You know, bring my breathing in. And then comes the most important is the release because developing strength is about detachment. And so as uh, the stronger you get, the more you're able to detach your sad, the more you're able to detach your mad, but most of all, you're able to get strong and detach your glad. So you can run around and share with people gladness. And, and if you don't know what gladness is, go to a glade, go to the land someplace in the glade and sit with there and go, ah, this is what I want to release. I think, Barry, when you head out into nature, you're going out there to get that for what? So when you get back to your home and your people and stuff, hey, you know, here's my gladness. You know, here's my 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 uh, uh grand you know and and bringing that back into life and bringing bringing that on so that's true very just incredible Vic. and so i, I kind of want to step back a little bit you mentioned old growth and master og being your teacher yeah. how would someone like barry or i if we want to have someone like og be a teacher how do we find that or does this just have to be a thing where we start by taking our shoes off and doing what you said like how do we how do we have him as a hang on just a second say what Is it too late? yeah please yeah no no uh the uh way i found og uh was running barefoot in the old growth forest and og are the initials for old growth um and as i was running in the old growth um you know when you're in that that move that run that flow I was, I, there were the trees and I started looking up, you know, I'm dancing over roots, right? Big roots in the trail. And, and there's all this, this, just this, this flow that's comes, comes at you. And, and the sun was shining and I looked up and the next thing I, oh my, I stubbed my, my toe, man. I ran my toe <laughs> right into this, this, this root. And uh, right there, what's happened I'm not paying attention. I'm not paying attention. And, and, and when that happened, the first sound came out of my mouth was, Oh, gee, you know, oh, oh gee, <laughs> it's like, instead of, ah, fuck, it was like, Oh, gee, man, it hurt. And, and I started realizing that, um, catching that, flow catching with the river catching that flow and getting in there you just have to you have to you have to set a rhythm you have to set a beat and and then i have the mantra follow your feet and the earth will teach and the earth will show you what to seek and so it's it's like a trusting you know i had to one when i first stepped out of shoe i had to accept 
my feet did not fit this earth. I think about it. We are a, a two-footed species. Yep. And I was I had so long in shoes and insulation that when I began running around barefoot, I realized, man, my feet don't fit this earth. And that just that doesn't fit right. And fitness is two words, fit, nest, right? And nest is what a bird does, builds a home in, in, in the earth. And so fitness is about fitting into your home, fitting into your nest. And when I was at that place and, and, and trying to fit my way back in and stuff and, and pulling my, allowing my feet just to, to pull me into this because it's touch, T-O-U-C-H, you know, that as I allowed that to take place and began to pay attention more and accepting I can't barefoot every place, you know, I, I, give them quite a few barefoot talks and I go into the city and they go, well, God, you're here to talk about barefooting, but you're wearing shoes. Well, yeah, you know, this is not a real safe environment. Right. <laughs> right. There's a lot it's, of things I don't want to step on in the city. Exactly. You know, I don't know who spit there. I don't know what's going on, you know? So, and the way I learned that lesson was, was barefooting, uh, I'm, I'm catching the flow of the old growth that I'm shifting into that. I made the vow. I made the vow that I'll never wear shoes again. And, and I took off. I was a week up in the mountains. I was up there training. The snows came in early. And I had no footwear. And I almost lost my, almost lost my feet. Uh, I was living in a cave. I had to keep a fire going. I had a jacket and I had to start cutting that up to build myself a set of uh, mucklucks so I could get back out of the mountains. And, and imagine that you're trying to keep your feet warm and you run around trying to get wet wood, keep the fire going. It was, it was, a, it was a real learning experience for me. And what it taught me was how arrogant I was being. To make the statement, I will never wear shoes again. It was like, yeah, well, come here, boy. I'm going to teach you something. And and the earth taught me that I had two upper hands for making footwear. And <laughs> so I built my footwear and 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 uh, started paying attention to that. So I think at barefooting, you you begin as a tender soul. Uh, every spring, I feel like my my soles are still a little tender. And then I, you, you start crafting in to what I call the dirty soul time. And in the dirty soul time, I'm really cautious of that because that's where I can expose my arrogance. You know, I think we all have arrogance. And, and one of the ways my feet showed me about how to handle arrogance, not in other people, but also in myself, is you need to be humble. You need right. some humility. But the trouble with humility, you're going to wind up whining if you hang with it too long. You know, you, you see a lot of people you've gone too long with humility. You know, they go, yeah, you hit me on this cheat. And, okay, you can hit me on this cheat. You know, fuck, I'm Celtic. If you hit me on this one, you can get into this one, man. <laughs> you know, so it's like, that. <laughs> yeah, so there's humility. And then the other thing you need is to be honored. You need your honor. You need to be truthful and honorable, but honor will turn you into an asshole. You can push that too far. And what I find the balance between humility and honor is, 
is humor is when humor starts coming in so as i expose arrogance and those things i i am using humor to say man here i am running around up here never wear shoes again you know i'm gonna lose my feet you know and and where's the honor as well i'll always keep shoes on i'll never step out of the earth again it's turning into assholes so it's it's looking at ourselves and and i ran for a long time what is the foundation and the deepest meaning of the word humor to me and i think it's the fact that we're all so full of shit. you know we that is humor to me is when you hit that place like yeah i may have thought that but you know that was really arrogant and and now i'm gonna work myself out of there Mm. and i think when you hit that place of humor and you're grinning back moving down that old road trail you're opening up your your grin your smile you're saying you know i don't know shit but let it in and then you gather all that and you know strength is is grip hold and release we're story people we're story animals and story is gather hold you store it and you release your story you tell it we're releasing story now in this medium right here so so setting up that kind of training practice of doing that is um and i want to you know my story is is so humorous that it just it keeps me in stitches i you know it's just like uh after a while of practicing that because it's like you expose so much uh you just run around barefoot and you know i would walk into stores okay and i'll walk in the store and the shoe police come you know mm-hmm. and and they'll walk up and they'll go like uh you don't have any shoes on you know it's like yeah what in the fuck makes you think i wouldn't know that <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's just this, this, this training of this control of people have these common things. And it's like, uh, so I, and then that guy, what I did was put on a set of socks and I walked back in with socks on and he didn't know what to do. You know, is a sock a shoe or what, you know, what's this, what's that about? You know, so bringing in this, this, the laughter, the humor, um, that join the and to lead people with a smile on their face and a grin. I think that's what we're meant to do as human beings. Think about Neanderthal. Here's Neanderthal running around five times stronger than we were. Yep. You know, man, they were just like they were doing some shit, you know, and they had these big jaws. I think they had big jaws because they had big grins. You know, they were just running around going, yeah, man, this is they couldn't help with that grin you know here we come along with a little more serious face you know and so it's like how do you get that grin back on one of the cool things that barry kirch is part of is he had this kind of he has this movement called the uh, campaign against negativity and i'm sensing a lot of the similar type of traits being just being a good person and this type of stuff so maybe barry you can incorporate more barefooting in your uh, message at least some more grinning for sure I mean, either way, <laughs> it's important, you know, because I'm with you. There's so much bullshit and everybody talks, including myself. We talk a lot of bullshit, but it's you have to step back from it and, and uh, realize the short little blink of a, an eye that we're on this earth. You can choose to like, I mean, everybody gets handed bad times, 
um, and goes through bad times and sees bad things. I don't think there's a person out there that doesn't. But you can either choose to dwell on that or you can choose to live it and then move on and be happy again because exactly. I, I don't have time for anything else. I got to be happy. Yeah, yeah. That's the way I see it. You know, if you just if you bring it on the sad, you might as well go home, take a shower, get in bed, pull a sheet over your head and fucking die. I don't I, there's too much <laughs> that this earth gives to us that and and we give and we take and it's gratitude, a great attitude to to start, you know, bringing that back so that generations to come will have that same thing. It's such a great feeling. That's why I get into growing soil. I mean, soil is this microbiome and, and, and how do you get it growing? And, and like, you know, a lot of trees have been cut down, but those trees will grow back if we got the soil, but we lose the soil. We're going to be in a, a world shitload there, you know? So it's like, you know, I think there's a revolution on now, uh, and that's about growing soil and getting soil going. And I don't care where you are, uh, you're in a city, uh, get a flower pot. You know, one of my, when you come here, the train, one of the things I, I demand for payment is you bring a plant with you in a flower pot. That's awesome. And what happens to a, a plant been in a flower pot too long? It gets root bound. It's the same for your yourself. So now you have to transplant that somewhere. And that that takes knowledge, you know, training's three things, knowledge, skill, and desire. So you gotta have where can I stick this in the ground? How do I nurture it? That plant is teaching you how to train your own body, how to sense your own roots in there. And so it's that is your teacher, that is your coach. Uh, and and how do I get that back into the ground again? What's kind yeah, of fascinating. I think with COVID, this past year, 2020 with COVID, I actually, I've always loved gardening and planting vegetables, tomatoes, all the way from my grandfather to my father. But this year, I actually went and bought a lot of like blackberries or raspberry bushes. I had such a fun time doing it, that watering them and checking on them and making sure they're getting enough water or sun or organic fertilizer or the roses need the coffee grinds. And I don't know if it it was COVID that made me start appreciating nature and plants. But I, I mean, I have, I water a, I'm in Massachusetts, so there's snow everywhere and the sun's kind of tough or whatever, but I'm, I'm trying to grow and raise a lemon tree. I've got little spruce trees I'm growing. I have to move to different sun angles. And like, I don't know what it was from COVID, but I just found this, this new love of just plant life. And so it's kind of cool to hear you talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I have here this this acreage is we got 180 trees right now and we just put in spruces and sequoias and willows and then I got two acres of wetland and and you know what I want to show here I'm trying to put a YouTube uh, channel together and shit like that (laughs) but there's a learning curve to this thing and so it's I spend more time growing but a very important part of any home earth gym, I call it the earth gym. And um, you spell gym in two ways, G-E-M, a jewel. Now, this earth is a jewel. And the other one is G-Y-M. And I form those down into a mantra like G-Y-M is grip your movement 
grin your moment and ground your mind into the heart of matter. And matter is an old German word and it means mother. And what does a mother do? A mother nurtures our nature to become more mature, you know, for an adventure to go and live rapture, you know, it's that sure sound nature. And so, you know, planting, when, I, when I'm planting these trees and, and, and bringing all this, this nurturing back in again into matter, into the mother, and I, I need to say, explain my understanding of the word mind. Um, uh, you know, for years I chased after mind over matter. Um, I don't, what I see now from, you know, I'm 70, and what I see is it's not mind over matter. It's mind as matter, mind as the mother. Uh, trying to mind over matter is like a domination thing to me. And it may not be what people mean, but it's just from my own understanding and, and meaning. And so the keeper of the mind is the earth. And and you have to get a, uh, you don't have to if you don't want to, but for me, I have to have a practice of earthing, you know, into the, to the matter, into the mother. I have to have that earthing. Well, what does a mother do? A mother nurtures our nature. And I think that's why we have colleges. We have passing on learning skills, you know, my mentors pass them to me. And so it's about that nurturing and then nurturing the growth of trees and, and, the, and the growth of food. You know, I grow fruit trees. I got raised gardens. I got that whole part, but I also grow for the wild. And that's the, that is how do you grow for the wild? Like uh, I have the 220 acres is, um, the first step in my growing plan is to stay out of the way, is, is to go, uh, it just does what it does, stay out of the way. And then is my second one is witness. What is it doing to grow? Not what I think it should be doing, what is it doing to grow? And then the third one is where do I show up? Where do I show up and support this wild growth? So growing the wild. And that has a lot to affect coming back to the farm. And then, you know, this country, when I got down here three years ago, you see some plants and you ask some farmer or rancher out here, you'd go like, well, what's this plant? Well, if it wasn't alfalfa or, or hay, it was a weed. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was like, you know, you're going like, yeah, this, but what is it? You know, so the more you get into it, the more you get that nurturing going. And I think COVID I think uh, COVID is like the call of our times. Um, it, it, you know, people are, well, stay at home, stay at home, you know, social distancing. You know, I kind of love it because <laughs> I was born to the social distance. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I Me too. Is, but, but I think when you go in the city, one of the things I always saw as a problem, you get in a line, people stand on top of you. They're always standing right up real close. They're always like coming in. And so it's like, now it's like you got to have social distancing. I think that's the earth saying, you know, get some distance between you. Spread out a little bit. Open your arms. You know, don't, you know, get more out into the to the earth and experience that out there. So I like the social distancing thing and the mask. 
I think the masks are cool, man. I got these green man masks that I wear, <laughs> you know, and just walk around with those and other ones. I came up with all kinds of masks. I'm a dodge. And so it's like I'm gonna <laughs> in the shadows, you know, I'm going to go in there and dodge it. I think it's all uh, the sadness is um, the death. But I think one of the things and this may not be just for my I don't spend a lot of time on the computer, but I do look and try to research stuff. Um, I think there needs to be more talk of immune system. How do you do cold water training, cold, you know, saunas, uh, your food, are you growing your food? Are you, you know, how close are you to your own food and stuff? But having a strong immune system um, really sh should be a talk that hits our country big time because our obesity rate is huge. You know, it's uh, and people out of shape and and so moving and keeping a strong immune system. I, I think this is saying this time is saying, hey, people start paying attention to that. And, and like you, so. you start growing, you know, it's like, right. how's that plant growing? What does it need now? How do I keep this growing and stuff? And then you get to eat it, you know, that's the best part. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now. Before I let you, my last question for you, Mick, you always say the phrase or the word Yosh. What is the kind of the meaning behind that? And is that something you've kind of adopted along the way? I picked that up in uh, Okinawa. My uh, sensei, Oda Gabasani, uh, they used to use that word Yosh. And my uncles used it. We got into using it there. Okay, you're going to pick up a barbell, okay? You don't know how heavy it is. Maybe it's 250 pounds. You don't know if you can do it or not. You make the state, you learn the train where the word yoish, um, you are committed. Yoish, you're going for it, whether you get it or not. It's not a matter of winning or losing. It's about participating. And so it's yoish. You use it in a training practice like that. It, um, uh, you know, the Marines had one, Ooh, you know. Um, the one I learned, and then the other thing is my dad, even though he spent 35 years in the Marine Corps, three wars, 29 decorations, this guy hated the fuck word. And I mean, <laughs> Marines went around saying fuck all the time. So my dad said, look, quit saying that and start saying yoish. And what I've learned to use it over in life um, is... Whoever I, it means hello, it means goodbye, it means no shit, it means fuck you, it you know I it means a lot of things and so whatever situation or conversation I'm in, uh, say somebody says something negative, I go yush. I just said fuck you, but I haven't said fuck you, which creates a problem. You right. get you know all that going. It's just like yush, and people go like, what the hell does that mean? You know, it's just like. <laughs> It's, you know, so it, it just allows me to not get tangled up in a lot of words and just and basically I'm saying, yeah, I heard you, um, you know, uh, somebody will say um, something about science or something like that. You know, the universe is billions of years apart. You know, and I, it's like, whoosh. you know, I don't really have an opinion that I don't know how to think billions of years and. Right. And and so I just like you I heard you. It sounds interesting, you know. Um, 
I hung around for a long time as hippie and stuff with people always into higher consciousness. You know, they're always traveling for higher consciousness and they got some good rap going on. They got some good talk, but I never saw, um, I never saw physical things taking place. You know, it's like people go, Oh, we got to quit screwing up the earth. We got to quit doing this. We got to quit doing that. And they don't do anything. They talk about it, you know? And so, uh, that's where I bring in like, Oosh. you know, it allows me not to get caught up and go, yeah, why don't you just quit running your mouth and, and go plant something, you know, right. it, it just allows me to kind of dodge my way in and out of uh, uh, conversations and, and places like that. Love so it. And what's neat about it is it went out on National Geographic so it like means like fuck you too. <laughs> so it's like I had this word out there, yush. You go fuck yourselves, you know. <laughs> I love that. It, that's uh, my that's my own sense of humor entertaining myself. Yeah. It's like it. growing up, you like I would have to do like those book projects and stuff on like Socrates or Aristotle or all these philosophers, but the last hour with you, I kind of feel like I've got this more out of I got the same type of ideals and the same, but it's it feels more important to you because here you are someone I can actually see in the flesh and blood and it's actually lived this way. And for me, I mean, that's, this has been truly awesome, Nick. Oh, I'm enjoying this. I love to run my mouth, man. I haven't talked to anybody for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time. This is and, uh, do you have any other questions, Barry? Or? Uh, I had one and it goes back to cultivating the earth. Um, and, and, and creating soil. Cause I, I, I believe with you that, uh, soil is a big thing. Um, how do you do that in your large, I mean, obviously you have a lot of land and it's a farm. Are you creating your own compost to get back aside from just planting plants, which I know you're doing, but like Absolutely. even here on a small scale, cause I live in Florida on a, on a smaller plot of land, but I still compost and, and have a compost and I grow and have a garden, yeah. those kinds of things. Are you just doing it on a grander scale and, and, and what do you do in, in your farm type of situation? Uh, well, the, the first 10 acres, we have persane and morning glories growing. I tried to go the um, alfalfa route, which was tilling the ground. And, and I had a local farmer and we did that, but it wasn't taking. And I realized, you know, as more as I was getting to know this land here, um, I realized that there was uh, the tilling farming had gone on for too long. Mm. And so the soil, the microbone was dead. And so then it was, it was the persane was growing, morning glories were growing. It was allow all that to grow and getting sunflower seeds going. So the 10 acres uh, is just really getting super strong now. Uh, the microbone and all the plants, but it was bringing in like hemlock plant, um, that's uh, not indigenous to here. It's a very poisonous plant. Nothing uh, eats on it. So it was like, you know, going out and uh, I bought a, uh, a samurai sword. So you go out and just, you know, whack the sword down, you know, and, and nice. get a workout, go and play with it. And, <laughs> and, and getting that established back here. Now the next five acres over, um, we're in the process of getting that soil turned uh, back into strong microbones. So it's going out and just throwing 
every kind of ground cover we can get going out there and then see what pops up. And then I have the back two acres, which is wetland. And so that wetland, lots of cattails and, and ducks. And the other thing I do is I go through, we put out here, I think about probably 50 pounds of bird seed a week. And so now that brings in, uh, that's why if you got a, a home earth gym to me, you need music. And so every day we just have, in three years, I've watched the dove population grow, the ducks. Uh, we got a pheasant growing. I saw 30 pheasants this morning. Uh, and so this whole bringing in the birds and, and they're spreading seeds and getting them involved in that, you know, and, and by feeding them seeds and now they, you know, we have sunflowers that pop up all over the place now. And so it's just, it's getting patient and then composting. Uh, composting is so amazing. I mean, once you get into it, it's just like, it's such a good feeling. I mean, uh, you yeah. know, you, you, you're not, you know, you know what to do with shit now. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> hey, guess what? This shit will grow, and we can shift stuff around. So that that to me, um, I think, is uh, any species on this planet. We are meant to grow things. We are meant to grow things, and and learning how to grow, and learning how to do that nurturing and and of nature, and and growing wild. You know, growing wild, you know, up home in the Olympics, um, I would come along in the gravel road and I would see the little trees popping up, maybe a hemlock or a spruce or something, is to take that and I would move it. I would put it into a place, find a place where that could get going there and growing. And then several years later, come by going, oh, wow, that's the one I moved out of there. That is such... Um, the feeling of confidence, it's a feeling of knowing. It's like, yeah, that was that was good, Nick. That was a good thing to do, you know? It was like, yeah, keep that kind of stuff up. So I think growing, um, I don't care how small a piece of land. You don't even, you know, you don't even need to own a piece of land. You, I used to make up seed bombs. A guy in Japan thought up this thing. You just put seed in a mud ball right get a whole bunch of them put them in a sack go to an area that's disturbed you know just like tossing suckers over there and and come back and who knows what takes off you get sure. the opportunity i have i go you anticipated you know and and maybe something gets growing there you know and then a year later you see some guy that owns the land he's out there whacking down some weed or something you know it's like right. <laughs> <laughs> i don't care you never know. All you can do is participate. You don't know if that seed's going to win or if it's going to lose. All you can do is help it and participate with it. And and that that builds in your own life, your own character. It builds in you um, that 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 feeling inside that like of gratitude. You know, uh, I remember when this this MAGA thing got started. Make America Great Again. I thought they were talking like before 1492. <laughs> you know, <laughs> endless sky full of birds and trees and rivers and mountains, you know, 
make America great again is making America grateful for what we got. And we need to do that physically by making it green again. We need to grow things and get it going. And there's tons of people doing that. That's what's so interesting to me about this internet and these phones and stuff. There's one outfit called kisstheground.com. And uh, it's about growing soil. And oh. so you got plants you need to know about. You can get on and use this tool, educate yourself and say, ah, let me go try this. Let me do that. I'm just amazed at technology and what's going on with it right now. So it's, but it's how to use it. Yeah. How to bring it, use it as a, Like you said, keep it as a tool. Yeah. It's a, use it as a tool. And that's, you know, higher consciousness. Uh, uh, so many people I know that are into this higher consciousness uh, sat with a lot of shamans, sat with a lot of different folks. They do all got some great songs, rattle shaking and pointing problems out in the world. My next question is, what have you planted? What have you done? It's easy to sit around and talk about it. The walk right. is stronger than the talk. And so it's like, that's great. We all know that we got it down, but uh, you know, what are you doing to bring back and put it back in? And I think that's the call of our time is for people to, to start growing stuff, you know, and, and get that growing out and just, you know, and then the sharing that comes from it, you know, the sharing, you know, we got, you know, apricots and plums and, and, and sharing that food, uh, giving out community. And they come back, you know, and uh, like honey, I don't need the honey anymore. I share other food and stuff. And then and guys come by and go, yeah, here, my freezers are full of meat. And so it's I, I don't have to go out and, and do that anymore. I, I do it just by sharing back and. I love that. That sense of community where that's just, I love that. You got to have the community uh, uh, be a part of it. Uh, I know a lot of people have the impression that I was some kind of uh, isolated, pissed off guy up in the mountains and shit. You know, I was never my gig, you know, I was like, <laughs> you know, I was just like, ah, oh, shit, no. And, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yours and, and songs, you know, it's, uh, uh, and that, well, I'll tell you an interesting uh, um, thing about TV was I gave a talk at a, some chamber of commerce and um, there was one of these guys in there just like hated the show. He hated, <laughs> he hated the whole show. And he goes, and the guy goes, he said, yeah, I've seen those shows, you know, I've seen, I've seen 13 of them, you know. I said, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah. The 13, I don't, I don't like a one of them. And I went, <laughs> I still remember the guy. I went, wow, I saw one of them and you, I didn't like it. Why did you watch it for 13 times? <laughs> How do you get so stuck that you hate it so much, you know? But then I would, you know, I consider myself a barefoot salesman, selling bare feet. I'm selling connection to the earth. And I sell strength and, and how to develop the strength and grow strength, and plant strength, your foot strength and soil. And so I, I would use this song. And so I got all these these people there and I would it would go like, a, get out of your shoes. You're getting fat. You're going to wind up flat on your back. Learn to stride across that grass and you will lose that old fat ass. 
And so I would get this whole crowd of people sitting there all fat looking at me. You know, it's like, you're fat. Get out, get out and shoot bare feet. Start losing it, you know. Yeah, it well, was amazing. It was uh one one other thing. I know I'm getting kind of fired. No, I, love, up. I keep going, I love it. But this one was uh after the show, um every people were coming up and go, Can I get a picture with you? And I would go, while I was on Nat Geo, they have some good cameramen. You can go on the internet and get good pictures there. So, oh, no, no, I want you on my cell phone. So it was something about, okay, uh, I want to uh, have him in my own cell phone, my own picture taken, something there, keeping photo albums and stuff. So I saw that. So I went on a quest and I said, oh, what am I going to do about this? And and then it hit me, OG, as I was running, I came back down. Somebody would walk up to me and they go, can I get a picture of uh, with you? And I go, sure, but you got to be barefoot. And so, <laughs> so they, they take off their shoes, you know, and man, I have some seen some ugly, terrible feet, man. They have been in, <laughs> they have been in shoes way too long, you know, and, and a lot of times I would like move over on the gravel. And they would still take off their shoes. And so they're like, oh, oh, oh. They're stepping on gravel and stuff. And probably 80% of those times, and it's happened hundreds of times, 80% of the times, I either had on sandals or moccasins. And not one person ever went, well, how come you're not barefoot? That's funny. Do you see funny. what that tells you? Do you yep. see what that tells you? And so what I began to realize, there's this celebrity shit. And I am not a celebrity. I have never been a celebrity, but I am a celebration of this earth. And so as a barefoot salesman, how do I, you know, and I got endless customers, how many billions of people on the planet, man, they all got bare feet. And so it's like, yeah, how do I get those feet and that connection back down into the earth? was just trying it out, doing it a practice, do it at your own pace. And then and then that connection, that sinking back down into that, how it shifts and shapes your brain. You know, it, it really begins to shift and shape you. And it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous because um, you hit that connection and then you go back in, you can go back in with a real chip on your shoulder. You know, it's right. walking around going, why are you fucking this up? Why are you fucking that up? You know, barefooting to me takes us, takes me back into humility because then I get to go, why am I fucking this up? Why am I making this more miserable? And I just pull it back to myself and now walk that, right. walk that. Whether other people are doing it, I don't care. If you're not, oh, great, share me, teach me more. But if you're doing it, then, yeah, go home and die. Get out of the way, you know. Leave us be, you know. Let us let us let this thing flow and grow like it should be. Uh, should be. So, no, I love it. And uh, you mentioned you're on Facebook, Barry. You're on Instagram. You got social media, social media. But uh, if people do want to find you at Facebook, I suggest they do it because you do have obviously talk and do some motivational stuff for everyone. And Barry, you can be Barry. And uh, this was a uh, this was an awesome talk. I think this is probably the second longest one I've done and for a great 
for, for, which is ideal because there's so much to digest from this discussion here. And uh, thank you, Vic, for your time. And uh, thank you, Barry, for jumping out here as well. Well, can thanks, I, Mick. Can it was I, a pleasure. Hey, Barry, can I ask a question? Yes. Uh, so, are you guys still on tour? Uh, how's that going now with COVID and stuff? What is? No, we've really been shut down, um, unfortunately. Wow. So, we're in the process of writing our next record and and doing those things and writing, and we're able to share through technology some stuff. And and we live relatively close enough to each other where we kind of base our recording out of uh, Charleston, where my bass player lives. He has a studio there, and that's where we do our stuff. So. We can go back and forth to there. Uh, we're looking at hopefully getting on tour this fall. It all, you know, it, it's going to be state dependent. Um, it definitely won't be international travel anytime soon. Uh, I don't think. I hope. Um, so it's it's kind of a waiting game. It's really shut my whole industry down. Yeah. But I, again, I'm looking at the blessings. I got to spend. This is the longest time I've spent with my wife yeah. and daughter in 20 years. So yeah, that's yeah. a blessing for me. Yeah. How old is your daughter? She's 10. 10. Oh, yeah. That's a great age. Yeah. Yeah. She's a blast and she's following in my footsteps. She's a, she's an old soul, a little outdoorsy girl. Um, could care less about technology, would much rather sit on a stump and read a book. You know, that's just, it's kind of fun to watch that in her because I don't, I don't keep her from technology or things like that because you have to have it, especially at her age and, and growing up, you're going to have to have it. But she really picks and chooses her time and prefers to be a little more hands-on, which is really nice. So you're in Florida? Yes, Jacksonville, Florida. What for, what part? Jacksonville, the north northeast coast. I know Jacksonville. I went, I was in there once in the Marines. Oh yeah, we had a yeah, Navy base yeah. and stuff, yeah. Navy, Navy base there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, Mayport. Hot, swampy place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of places you don't want to walk barefoot. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know if I can barefoot back there. <laughs> no, there, there's things that want to get you on your feet. <laughs> yeah. So where do you live at? Where do you do this podcast from? I do this based out of Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Huh? So you guys, a lot of snow right now then, huh? Yeah. Look at it. Uh, probably 10 or so inches on the ground. The board yeah. coming this Thursday, Friday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wear shorts year-round in the winter. Cold doesn't bother me. Um, Do you? The, wow. The barefoot wow. thing, man, that's a little different in the snow. Um, but uh, you never know. Maybe uh, after this episode, I might just never wear shoes again. Yeah, I go <laughs> I go two hours uh, in snow. Uh, but uh, <laughs> mucklucks, the Steiger mucklucks, they're somewhere back back there in Minnesota or the East Coast. Those for me are the best things in the snow, man. They're like wearing socks and um, they're moose hide and they're really a good, good footwork. You know, it's, what I worry about with shoes is I wear a mox and mox locks is toe squeeze. You know, you get a shoe that squeezes your toe or another one too high up heel is shortens your Achilles tendon and, and weakens your foot that way. But in, in the winter time, when I got to wear a mox and stuff, I want something very gives me lots of room, and those mucklucks give that to me. Awesome. Well, hopefully, when the stuff clears up and kind of goes back to normal, normal, uh, maybe me, Barry will go out there. We'll do some uh, tilling and uh, feed some birds and uh, maybe some. Yeah, come on out, man! I, I, I got a, I got a big bunkhouse, man. I got a uh, indoor pool, a sauna. 
I love yeah. it. Toilets. You got toilets. Toilets are good. Yeah, Barry, toilets good. Yeah, toilets Barry, are good. Barry doesn't need toilets. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I've I pooped like in the toilet. woods plenty of times. <laughs> yeah, I, I like toilets now. Toilets I do, too. Good. Good. Well, uh, again, thank you guys both. And then uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks Great. a lot, guys. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars. The one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.